Chapter 41 August 2000, age 45 Over the next year, Robert filled his time with church activities and calls to his friends in New York using a calling card to avoid disclosing his location. Still, Robert was lonely and missed home. His conversations with his friends were helpful, especially from those who were Christian and understood his hardship. It was suggested he start dating. At first he thought dating would be a good thing with the idea that he was actually looking for a potential bride. So he began a relationship with a woman he met at church. Before his life changed, Robert's ideas about sex were very loose. But since becoming a Christian, his eyes were open to the tragic results often associated with that way of thinking. He hoped that this would keep the relationship from becoming physical, but the opposite proved to be true. Before long, he and the woman were sleeping together, even though something inside him kept telling him not to do it. The message finally came across loud enough one evening while he and his girlfriend were alone in his apartment. He looked on his wall and saw a plaque he had purchased some time back. The words read, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. With those powerful words, he knew he had to dissolve the relationship. Robert never intended to permanently sever his ties with his family, especially his daughter, Brianna. He wanted to use the government to help him to establish a new life and then cautiously rebuild the ties that were broken upon entering the witness protection program once he'd fulfilled his obligation. What he didn't count on was the reaction from Lauren, who totally cut off communications between Brianna and Robert, fearing her daughter's life might be at stake because of their connection. His family also distanced themselves from him, not understanding how he could turn on his friends and becoming a rat for the government. Nevertheless, his sister Betty provided Robert with updates on Brianna. She's getting really big, Betty told Robert when asked for an update. By then, his daughter was seven years old, but boy, does she have a cocky attitude. Robert laughed. She gets that from her mom, not me. We both know that's a lie. Outside of his sister, he also stayed in contact with his old friend Angelo, who had also miraculously surrendered his life to Christ. They spent a lot of time on the phone, talking about old times and old friends. He conveyed to Angelo that he was lonely and asked that Angelo join him in praying about a soulmate. Sometime later, Angelo had a dream that he relayed to Robert. The dream centered on Abraham finding a wife for Isaac. The key point was the woman, Rebecca, had to leave her family and go to the land where Isaac was. With that in mind, he felt Robert should meet Patricia. Patricia was from Howard Beach, working as a bus driver for the disabled in the school district. She'd been married twice before, divorced an equal number of times. The first marriage was to a man who beat her up, and the second to a man who cheated on her. She became a believer in Christ two years after marrying her second husband. It had been four years since her last divorce, and recently she had started praying for God to send a godly man into her life. With her permission, Angelo gave her phone number to Robert. Great. I still don't know how that could work out. I mean, how do you date someone who lives 2,000 miles away? Forget about it. Just talk to the woman. She's got a heart for God. You've got a heart for God. Let him work out the details. Did you tell her about my situation? I told her you were in a particular situation, but I didn't elaborate. And I told her she could never call you. How did that go over? She didn't ask any questions. She just said I could give you her number. 
That night, Robert called Patricia, once again using his calling card. The conversation began with accolades for their mutual friend and progressed into questions about their churches and how Christ came into their lives. After about an hour, Patricia brought the conversation to an end. I've got to get up early in the morning to drive my bus, she explained. Will it be okay if I call you again? Patricia hesitated. Yeah, sure. They said their goodbyes and hung up. Robert didn't call her back until the next week. He was already nervous about the whole idea of a long-distance relationship, and when he asked if he could call her back and she paused, her response made him think she might not be interested in him. Still, he really enjoyed talking with her, sensing he had met someone who loved God like he did. This wasn't what he was accustomed to. Sometimes sponsors of the AA meetings in downtown San Antonio would host events such as dances and invited members to come. Robert always attended the dances and would have no problem finding a partner to dance with him. He did have a problem keeping them. His love for God was so deep that he had no inhibitions telling others about him. This isn't a religious organization, someone once told him. Yeah, but we're all the time talking about this higher power. I thought I'd go into a little more detail about who that higher power is, he said. The responses to his argument were always disdainful and ended in curt goodbyes. This made his chats with Patricia all the more pleasant since they shared a common love for God. Over the next few months, Robert and Patricia had many conversations. At first, Robert called her once a week, but eventually they were talking every day. Sometimes Robert called her from work at the real estate office so he could use the 800 number to keep his location a secret, but most of the time he used the calling card at home. He would call at night and they would talk for hours like two teenage kids. During the course of these chats, Patricia came to realize just who Robert was. She knew his old girlfriend, Cece. Her and the people she ran around with talked about a Robert who's always in and out of jail. Still, she didn't know he was a government witness tucked away in Texas Hill Country. It was in the first part of December 2000 that Robert asked Patricia to visit him. He promised to pay for her flight and Pastor Brent would open his home to her while she visited. I'd love to visit. I just don't know where to tell everyone I'm going. You can't tell anyone, Robert said. It's got to be a secret. I will tell you that Christmas where I live is a lot different than New York. On December 20th, Patricia flew into San Antonio. As she entered through the gate and into the waiting area, Robert was standing with Pastor Brent's wife, Melissa. He recognized Patricia from her photo and waved her down as he ended the conversation on his newly acquired cell phone. He held out his hand. I'm Robert. He turned to Melissa. Patricia, this is Melissa. Melissa, Patricia. Melissa and Patricia hugged as though they were sisters. It's so nice to meet you, Patricia. It's good to meet you too, and thank you for letting me stay at your house. You're more than welcome. We wouldn't have had it any other way. Patricia looked at the overhead signage. I need to get my luggage. They walked to the baggage claim area. You stand over there, Robert ordered, as he walked up to the baggage carousel. Patricia looked at Melissa and then complied. Robert grunted as he loaded a cart with Patricia's luggage. Holy moly, he said, struggling to lift the largest bag. You got a dead body in there or something? Melissa looked at Patricia. Her smile was thin and her eyes were slightly widened. After loading the baggage into the car and getting on the road, 
Robert talked to Melissa more than Patricia as he whipped in and out of traffic. Over the next few days, Robert and Patricia spent most of their time trying to get to know each other, but nothing was clicking. On the third day, while heading to Brent and Melissa's after eating dinner, Patricia asked, You look disappointed. Are you disappointed? Robert looked over at her. Do you really want to know the truth? Patricia paused. Yes. Robert cleared his throat. Well, you look older than you do in your picture, and you're taller than I anticipated. Patricia sat there for a moment, dumbstruck, shedding tears hidden from Robert, who'd gone back to watching the road. The next morning, Brent called Robert. What is wrong with you? He said. What? You're treating Patricia like dirt. What do you mean? Ordering her around, making comments about how old and tall she is, and you don't even talk to her. I talk to her. No, you don't. You may say something to her, but it's not nice. You need to treat her right. That's just the way we do things in New York. She knows that. I think she expects more out of you. Trust me on this. Two days before she was supposed to return to New York, Patricia took Robert out for his birthday to a local restaurant. Near the end of the meal, Robert took a deep breath. Will you marry me? At first, Patricia was unable to say anything. Are you kidding me? She finally said in a loud whisper. Just a week ago, you were saying how disappointed you were in me, how I was too tall and too old. You haven't said one kind word to me the whole time I've been here, and now you have the audacity to ask me to marry you. Robert dropped his head, his eyes flitting from left to right as Patricia dabbed at hers with her napkin. You do realize you're just as much short as I am tall, right? More tears came. You need to know something she said as she tried to maintain her composure. When we first started talking over the phone, I had no interest in you. I had made a list of what I wanted in a man, and one of those things was he needed to be over six feet tall. When I saw the picture of you next to your car, I could tell you didn't even come close to six feet. Even still, I talked with you that night, not expecting more than a friendly conversation, and that's it. But the more I talked with you, the more I began to see a person who was totally in love with God. That was at the top of my list because it was the most important. Without a doubt, you met that requirement. She sniffled. Robert, I fell in love with you, not because of your looks or your height, but because you loved God so much. And that's why I agreed to come here. But now that I've met you in person and you've treated me this way, you've still got this mobster mentality. Robert felt guilt flush his face. I grew up with the idea that you just don't go out with a girl taller than you, and they had to be younger. And you're right. It is a mob thing. You're a beautiful woman, and I've had that rolling around in my head the whole time you've been here. I'm sorry. Patricia gave a slight nod. I was praying this morning, talking to God, Robert said. I asked him what I should say to you. I mean, your visit has been a catastrophe and I take all the blame for that. So I said to him, what am I going to tell her? She's going to expect me to say something, like, will I ever see you again? Or should I call anymore? And he said, you need to ask her to marry you. Of course, my first thought was that that doesn't make any sense. I was wondering whether it was really God talking to me or someone else. Patricia laughed. Then I heard him say, you'll never find anyone that will love you the way she loves you.
Robert reached over and took Patricia's hand. That's what I've wanted all my life. Someone to love me, not for my looks, or that I'm a mafia tough guy, or that I buy gifts. I need someone to love me because of what's in here, he said, pointing to his heart. And apparently that someone is you. For a moment, they both sat in silence. Then Robert said, you need to answer me. She shook her head, but the smile on her face told another story. This is scary. That means I've got to pull up roots from New York, leave my family. I've got a daughter there, you know, Robert nodded. I've been with the same prayer group for the past six years. They've been praying for me this entire time I've been here, Patricia sighed. Yes. Robert furrowed his brow. Yes? Yes. Yes, you'll marry me? Wasn't that the question? Yeah. I mean, okay then. 